Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom and the things they've learned along the way. With more than 20 years experience at the cutting edge of British hairdressing, Stuart Phillips has become the star's stylist of choice. With an award-winning salon in the heart of London's Covent Garden, Stuart has trimmed and tamed the tresses of everyone from Rolling Stones rocker Ronnie Wood to TV legends Jonathan Ross and Jamie Oliver. After starting his career at the age of just 16, Stuart trained with Vidal Sassoon and qualified at 19. Following a stint at some of Australia's premier salons, he travelled to Asia and Indonesia where he first encountered the art of holistic hairdressing. His approach means customers enjoy a personalised, bespoke service that far surpasses the traditional salon experience. Stuart's bold vision is enhanced by a team of talented colourists and creative stylists, all of whom were personally selected for their intricate skills and knowledge. Actively involved in beauty and fashion circles, the team regularly work on catwalk shows, music videos and high-profile showbiz events such as the BAFTAs and the National Television Awards. So, in summary, I think our guest knows a thing or two about hairdressing and in particular success in business. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome today's guest, Stuart Phillips. Stuart, welcome. Thank you very much. Hi. So kind of you to take the trouble to come in and see us, particularly somebody who is as successful and as busy as you are and your reputation precedes you. Thank you. So um, the obvious first question, Stuart, from the introduction that I've uh, just shared with the listeners is, first of all, what is holistic hairdressing? Yeah. And... I'd like to take you back, if I may, to the start of your your venture, the opening of the salon. So just take us back to those early days and where did this amazing brainchild originate? <laughs> okay. Well, I used to work in another salon. Okay, the salon's been going now for 24 years. Before that, I worked in another salon in Covent Garden. And I was having lunch in Neil's Yard. This is how it all started. Neil's Yard is in the, is a, a part of Covent Garden. Very cool yard. Anyway, I was having dinner there. And it looked up and it said for sale. This shop. Now, I didn't have that sort of money back then. So I still walked into this shop. And it was like a really long shop, about 100 foot long. And it was two shops in one, actually. And I just th- had this thought, if I knocked a hole, if I literally knocked that brick wall down, I'd have one long salon. But I thought, but I haven't got the money. What am I even thinking this for? But I still went in, I still approached, and I still asked questions in there. Went home that that day, and I was married at that point, and I told my wife about it. She just laughed, and she's a technical drawer, so she just drew it for me, and we just went for it. Just, you know, a, a dream. And then she came down with my father just to have a look at it. Do you know what? I convinced my father to find me, help me find some backers. And within 16 weeks, we had knocked that brick wall down. We had built it into a salon. Now, how it all started, like the holistic side of it and how I sort of went for it. At that time, there was over 44 salons in Covent Garden. I counted, <laughs> literally. And people saying, why do you want to be the 45th? I said, I'm going to be different. I'm thinking, well, how are you going to be different? I travelled in um, Asia for about two years and I saw the way they treated clients and the way they were and the materials they used in salons. And I thought, if I got my own salon, I'd want this sort of feel to it. So I thought holistic is the way forward. Holistic, some people get confused with holistic thinking medicine. Holistic is the whole approach to something. So my whole approach is hairdressing, no beauty, 
just hair, but everything to do with hair, from Afro-Caribbean to Asian to European, hair straightening, hair curling. I used to do everything. But he wanted to focus on that. And the second thing I wanted to focus on was really good staff. And I don't just mean staff that were good at cutting. I mean, nice people, people that you can get on with, be friends with and people that I could keep, obviously. And so to do this, you have to have a great environment, good staff, treat them well, pay them quite a lot of money. <laughs> and then, you know, you, you have you have a, a, a nice ambiance in the salon. As Time Out quoted, it's the most relaxing salon they've ever visited. They came back about 15 years later and said the same thing. So we haven't changed. Our ethos is the same. We're very relaxed. Every client has their own uh, sort of, it's a chair, you press a button, it goes back into bed. So my thought behind that was some new clients are a little nervous. It, they just are. So I thought, well, if they have their head massaged for 15 minutes using a combination of shiatsu and acupressure, it will make them feel good. So that's what we did. And it did. It made them feel good. The juniors were even feeling good, relaxed as they were shampooing. They were so chilled out at the time they sat in my chair, in my stylist chair, that it made our job so much easier at that point. The other part of what we do, which is quite different, is we do something called lifestyle hair consultations where, OK, I've taken it another level further. Most salons will give you a chat for two minutes, maybe five if you're lucky, because of time, half hour, 40 minutes a haircut. It's not a long time. So we changed all that and we do lifestyle consultations where we look at your face shape, bone structure, body type, even personality to find the perfect haircut for you. Because if you if you're having a great haircut, but you don't look like you can carry it off. It's pointless having that haircut. Everything has to connect and fit. So we did these lifestyle consultations and my staff does them as well now. They don't have as much time as I do, but they still really get stuck into the, you know, bone structure, face shape, all that stuff. Mm. Um, so, so that's that part of it. Um, I think we, we've actually kept... We've kept all our staff for 24 years. Wow. May I say. And that's unusual to... Very unusual, actually, for hair salons. But... I've seen people come to my shop at the age of 16, qualify, get married, have kids, and now they're like 38, 40. <laughs> We've grown up together. And that's the kind of salon we are. Very, very relaxed, very friendly, very laid back. And it's just a nice atmosphere. It's not really like a salon, if that makes sense. It's like a, a long lounge. <laughs> well, that's, that was, so that's your USP by the sounds of it. It's because it's not one of the 44 others. That's, yes, that's that's another another USB point, absolutely. But like, but but we have little touches in there though that makes us so different. Not just the massage beds, but just the way the way the salon's just built, just the, the way we are. And we can touch base on that in a sec. But the PR side of things was very very important for me. I was going to ask you about your first PR stunt. <laughs> you took the words out of my it mouth. Just blended in really nicely. <laughs> it does. Um, okay, so having a good salon is not really good enough, unfortunately, unless the world knows you're there. So, you know, you, we, we one client said to us once, you've been there for like 10 years. She said, you're like the best kept secret in Covent Garden. Why don't I know about you? Everyone should know about you. And it made me think. But, but before that, I'm going to back, back up a bit more. Um, I was a bodybuilder back in the day. Um, when I say back in the day, when I was oh, 16, by the time I was 19, I was like 15 stone, something like that. I was huge, absolutely huge. And... Um, I never had decent clothes. So my wife at the time said, you get in a salon, you need to get some good clothes. So I'm a very addictive person. I kept buying and buying and buying, wardrobe after wardrobe, <laughs> literally. The day came when she saw me measuring it in the hall. And we she are said, kindred spirits, Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but when she says to me, "You're what the hell are you doing in the hall measuring up? Is that what I think it is? If it is, goodbye, mate. And I think, OK, no, I won't have another wardrobe in the hall. Because we had like 14 wardrobes, and I'm not kidding you. 
Anyway, so with all these clothes, I thought, let's get them photographed. I had an idea. A client said to me, I've never seen the same outfit twice. And I said, you haven't, have you? I don't think I've worn the same outfit twice. Maybe, maybe not. So I thought that's PR in itself. So I got my mate who's a photographer to photograph me in something like 20 suits. Then I just found out who the people were in Imapilan that was a publishing company at the time. I think it's gone now. I just walked in there. No appointment. Just walked in there, loitered around a little bit. I thought, who's that dodgy guy? And I recognised a lady from one of the magazines. I think it was a hair magazine. And so I approached her. And she thought, who's this guy approaching me? So I, she, I just said, look, I'm Stuart Phillips. I own a salon. And she said, do you have an appointment? I said, no. She said, goodbye. I said, no, I'm not going. And I just carried on walking, just carried on walking. I kept talking and talking behind her back. And eventually she said, two minutes. So I went into this, this her office and I gave her this idea. and said, if a client catches me in the same outfit twice, they receive a free haircut. And she goes, I like that. Got any pictures? Yeah, as it happens, there you go. And she looked at these pictures and she gave me a double page spread. So overnight, we literally became a well-known hairdresser within my own industry because of this crazy stuff. Wow, I had. that's amazing. Close. That was a beginning of it. I'm kind of jealous, but it's amazing. <laughs> at that point then, New Woman magazine just saw it. I don't, they just saw it. And they said, we'd like to do a little feature on you. It was a very small feature. And then from New Woman, it grew and grew and grew. So eventually ITV came to me and said, we want to stop in a show called The Truth About Men with other celebrities. And then there's the um, news, of, not news of the world, what am I talking about? The Times, the Times newspaper contacted me, sorry. And I had a double page spread in there. It just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I thought, PR is so cool. And then I thought, the world's my oyster. I couldn't wait for the next idea. So having a dream, I dreamt of diamonds. Uh, what about diamonds? It's really weird. I woke up thinking, was everyone's wearing diamonds in their hair in my dream, just walking the streets with diamonds? So I thought, hang on a minute. Oh, I've got an idea. I have loads of Shrusky crystals in the salon, like little sculptures. So I put, I made them into like a hairpiece and, and slid them into, on, put them onto slides and slid that into a hairpiece. And I thought, Do you know what? I can create this on someone's hair with real diamonds. So I thought, I need to blag a million pound of diamonds. Now that's impossible, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, how could you blag a million pound of diamonds? So I, I just thought and thought and thought about this and I had an idea. So I went to the jewellers in Hatton Gardens and I started to approach them and other, other, other jewellers in Knightsbridge. And I said, I'd like to put a million pound of diamonds in a celebrity's hair, grade A celebrity. They said, who? I said, it's a secret. Sorry, can't tell you yet. They said, well, how do you suppose to expect you, you know, to give you a million pound of diamonds? It's a lot. And I said, oh, OK. Went away and had to think about it. So I came back again and thought, i got to say something else now. I said, I found a celebrity and I've got the celebrity. I can tell you who they are next week, but I need to know, are you interested? They said, yes, we are. So then I went to Serena Williams, the tennis player, and said, can I put a million pound of diamonds in your hair? She said, have you got the diamonds? I went, of course. I didn't. <laughs> you say, of course, don't you? And um, she said, yeah, I'm up for that. So Serena Williams up for that. And then um, the, the, the shop in Knightsbridge said he was up for that. So we managed to get two security guys. It was part of the deal. And I'd get them press coverage in magazines. But they had to take me on face value for that because that wasn't absolutely guaranteed. But I knew I could. And um, I went to, I knocked on the door of Serena's house in Wimbledon, brought in my hair equipment. And then I, two guys just sort of turned up with this big suitcase full of diamonds. It was like a movie set. I opened out these diamonds. I thought, this is really mad. And I literally glued them. I glued diamonds onto hair pieces and put them in, into the hair piece that I pre-made for Serena. I put it in Serena's hair. And that was for the pre-Wimbledon party with Richard Branson. 
um, it was very cool because when I got there, um, Richard said, are they real? She went, of course, this is Stuart Phillips. He put them in and I stuck by her side the whole uh-huh. night. It was yeah. fun. It was really fun. Um, so it from that point onwards of the diamonds, I thought, whoa, what is next? It just, you know, I just want to keep thinking of, of different ideas, unusual things, classy things. So I invented a haircut. So I wrote to Russian Vogue. Um, don't know why Russian Vogue. I have no idea today why I even wrote to Russian Vogue. And I wrote it in English and in Russian. I found someone to help me write it in Russian. And uh, I thought, nah, there's no way they're going to even answer me. It's impossible. So I kind of forgot about it. Um, a few months later, Russian Vogue came through the post and I had a whole page in it. Now, within that page, a lady read about it that was sitting in a beach. An Italian lady read about it. And she phoned me up and said, I'd like Stuart to, to do this service for me. It was £8,000. So I said I was very cheeky with her because I, she was a laugh. I liked her instantly. We got on really well on the phone. I said, would you be interested? Would you mind if the Daily Mail did a little piece on you and the Guinness Book of Records? And she said, no, I'm up for it. So I met her in London and the Guinness Book were there. And I created the most hair, most expensive haircut in the world, which is still in there now. We've had that record since 2007 as the world's most expensive haircut. It was fun. It was fun. Let's Uh, hope that doesn't dissuade too many people from (laughs) phoning you up and booking an appointment. I thought of that, but it doesn't because it gives PR works in a strange way. You could talk about bin bags at the end of the day. The point is people have to keep knowing your name. Eventually, they obviously know you as a good hairdresser because I am and so are my staff. But you've got to get noticed somehow. And whatever that way is, it is a way. It doesn't matter what way it is. Mm. Because unfortunately, doing great haircuts is great. And and that's what we do. But people have to know you do great haircuts. So this is one way of knowing. Um, and then from there, I had an idea of doing a package worth a lot, well, 20 grand. And so I used to go to the MC nightclub in London, tout for new talent, pop singers, dancers, you name it, all kind of cabaret acts. And I asked them, would you do a stint for me? So they'd say, yeah. So we did it. And so I'd get all these artists to come to turn up and the client would sit there, have their hair cut, coloured, whatever they'd like. And they'd be entertained by singers, dancers, we've had magicians, we've had jugglers, we've had all sorts of people in there. Um, One guy in particular, it was very, very interesting. He was a Russian guy that spoke no English and and his PA phoned me and said, we want eight girl dancers to dance around the chair. They have to be Brazilian and they have to have red miniskirts on. It's really odd. And I thought, okay, I'll make that happen. So we, we went to the embassy and I found dancers who knew Brazilian dancers and that's what we did. These eight girls danced around his chair for the entire haircut. He smiled, he clapped, and that was it. Then he went. <laughs> whatever, whatever floats your boat, hey? Well, that's amazing. And I, I'm, I'm really intrigued to know. Look, if you don't mind me saying, Stuart, uh, you, you strike me as a very modest guy, but you're so brave, dare I say even brazen. <laughs> I love the, the way you just kind of walk in somewhere and ignore orders to leave because you haven't got an appointment. And, and clearly your success comes down to a combination of those two things, you know, creativity, but at the same time, the ability to to take some positive action because a lot of people mm. spend a lot of their lives thinking about it and never quite get around to doing it. And you're the yeah. kind of opposite of that, aren't you, really? I, well, I think of things, I actually think of things to happen. Yeah, it's I- amazing. So um, how did you think about being the um, the official hairdresser for the BAFTAs for three years running? That happened because, okay, it, I have to back up a bit just so I explain how that happens. I'm doing a haircut to a regular client of mine and he said, 
is that Jean-Claude outside your salon? And I said, yeah, he's been photographed in the street. And I grew up, this is a bit of my hero when I was a kid, because I'm a martial artist. I'm a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and judo. And so I've watched his movies. So I thought, oh, I've got to say, I've just got to say hello to him. And I'm not like that with celebrities, never like that. It's unprofessional. But this was Jean-Claude. I just had to do it. So I finished my haircut and he actually watched me, the client from the from the, from the salon door, because we went over to the Common Garden Hotel, which is opposite my salon. He was sitting there. And I just approached him and said who I was. And I said, can I cut your hair for free? He said, why? I said, well, I'd like a picture with you. Well, that sounds a bit odd, but he said, no, it's not. Fine. Absolutely fine. I'll be there in an hour. And he came back. I was not busy then, which was very lucky. I cut Jean-Claude's hair, got on with him really well. And he says... Not can you, he said, you're coming to Africa with me. He said, you're doing a movie with me. And I said, oh, okay, what do you mean movie? He said, we're well, doing the hair. He said, you're looking after me, Dolph Lundgren and a few other martial artists. Are you up for that? I went, yeah. <laughs> so I thought about it. Yep, I'll do it. Uh-huh. So my wife at the time said she'd run the salon. So I went to South Africa. I think it was actually two and a half months in total. It was mental. I mean, I, I've been chased by Chinese triads. I've been, it's, it's, it's literally... <laughs> I've never experienced anything quite like it. And I spoke to the makeup artist on the film set and she said, what you've experienced isn't actually quite normal. This film sets go. You've been in a real hardcore one. But anyway, I did it. And at the time, BAFTAs approached us. We somehow got on their radar. They approached my wife and said, we'd like Stuart Phillips to interview the guy because he's not definitely got it, but he's in the run to, he's in the runnings to get it. So where is he now? He said, oh, he's in South Africa with Jean-Claude Van Damme. They went, is he? Oh, we want to meet him. So I came back, they met me, we got the job. So we sponsored, we were the official sponsors to BAFTAs for three years, where we would hire out a room in the Savoy Hotel in London. My team and I, 10 of us, we'd just look after celebs all day, cut their hair, style their hair rather. If they wanted it cut, we'd have to do it like the day before, because the Sunday was the day of the BAFTAs. So we'd blow dry it, put it up. Um, it was it was mad, because they're, they're all so late. I mean, some of them are like 40 minutes late, and they want really difficult hair ups and stuff. But we survived, we got there. It was difficult. But what an experience. And then we had our own kiosk actually in the BAFTAs itself, where I have a Stuart Phillips banner, and we, all the celebrities that were drunk could come to join the night and have a redo. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm almost I'm almost speechless, which doesn't happen very much to me. Um, tell, tell us about your biggest challenge to date, the, the, the music. Uh, yeah. Um, from, from the age of 14 until now, I've had many challenges. So I, I never know what to do next with myself. Life is to grab in every way you can. Breathe every moment and love every moment. So I'm that that's how I feel with life. So I'm rubbish at playing music, as in when I was at school. I had no idea about music. I tried to play a recorder, awful. Couldn't read music. I mean, you know, who can apart from musicians? But anyway, I was walking past this guitar shop one day and I kept seeing this shiny thing in the window. It was chrome, it was shiny. I don't care to play guitar. But I had to go in and let have a look at it because my home is like got so many crystals and chrome and everything else. So I walked in there and I said to the guy, is this really odd? I don't want to play this guitar, but I want to buy it. He said, that's not odd. People do buy and not play because they like the look of it. They're sculptures. Mm -hmm. So I bought it, showed my girlfriend. She said, wow, Angel, that's my girlfriend's name. She just absolutely thought this is the most amazing guitar I've ever seen. So we put it on a pedestal. And then she goes, are you going to play it? I said, no. So then one day I was watching a film called The Deliverance and I saw this mental banjo scene in it. I mean, I don't really care for banjo, but 
I've never heard anyone play anything quite like this. And I said, I want to be like this guy. I want to play play the banjo. So I ran to me, went back to the same shop, bought a banjo and got a teacher. And it was hard. Banjo is so hard. I just kept going, going, going with it. Never learned to read music at that point. Just pick, finger picking a banjo. I got into it so much. I thought, I want to start now guitar. So after guitar, I thought, oh, what's the wind instruments like? Oh, what's the brass instruments like? Oh, what's this like? What's that like? So three years, no, this is now two years on. I'm playing 30 instruments. I have four teachers now and I play 50 hours a week of music and I'm writing a book called um, The Ultimate Challenge, Learning 30 Instruments Age 51. What I'm doing, people think is impossible. It's not. It's possible as anything is possible. Music's about repetitive, repetitive, repetitive. You do it enough, you get it doesn't matter who you are. You do get it as long as you don't give up. So for me, I've played instruments that's so hard, like so difficult that I, rather than shouting and swearing, I just laugh thinking, this is mad. Is it impossible? Is it not? I thought, I don't care. I'm going to keep going with it. Two years later now, I'm playing professional pieces of music on most of the 30 instruments. I play with my teachers, things like, when I say professional, George Michael's Careless Whisper. I'm playing Baker Street by Jay Rafferty. I mean, that is hard to play on saxophone, but I'm doing it and I'm doing it from what they say quite well. I found this love of music and it's almost like it's always been in me to do it. And then I started to read music on the train on the way to work. I have half hours journey there, half back. And it took me maybe a year. And now I fluently read bass clef, treble clef and alto clef because alto clef plays the viola. So that that's that was my this is my biggest challenge to date, really learning 30 instruments. Wow. I Yeah, I'm definitely speechless now. Um, that compulsive, obsessive characteristics that you described <laughs> over the 14 wardrobes of clothes and now 30 <laughs> musical instruments. That is absolutely astonishing. I, I, mm. I'm finding it difficult to, to compute everything you've, you've, uh, you've shared. But yeah, amazing. And kudos to you for all that you've achieved. Um, tell us then, if you would, Stuart, about your, your famous lifestyle hair consultation. So I'm, mm. I'm, there I am sitting in your chair. What happens next? Okay, so we'll chat about, first of all, I always ask a client, first thing is, what don't you like about your hair in the sense that I like to know what they don't like before I start telling what I think that suits them. Then we look at the texture of the hair and look at the face shape and the bone structure. Now, clients often say, I want to look like this, or they show me a picture. Straight away, if their face shape is different, I say to them, well, you can have this or that, but you can't have this because your face shape is oblong and you need this. So basically, we compromise. It's all about compromising with hair because at the end of the day, I don't, I, you know, Yes, you do what the client says, of course, always, but there is one part that you have to be very professional about. And if something doesn't suit someone, you have to tell them. And if it gets to the case of they still want it, I won't be able to do it for them because at the end of the day, it's not about my taste. It's just about what looks really good on, you know, what suits them basically. Mm. So we, we just chat. And if example, if someone has a protruding nose, for example, that goes slightly to the right, I'll make the fringe go to the left to straighten their nose out. If their ears are protruding, you're not going to have something across their ears. If they have a long neck, you know, you want to cover part of their neck, have softness there. If they have a long face, you must never cut hair too short or too long because it will stretch their face out. You have to say it in the middle. So there's a lot of, of chat to go on about these consultations. Uh, at the end of it, though, it's great. The client feels very, very relaxed and they, they really, it's like they've known you for ages, the clients. You, you have built that rapport and trust with them very fast by telling them that, that, that you're good in, in, in proof that you're good because you're telling them what exactly is going to suit. Mm. Then I'll tell them what wouldn't suit and why not. 
And I go, oh, well, I wondered all these years I've been having a bob and it, I don't know why it just hasn't looked good and I never knew why, but now I know. Thank you, that sort of thing. So the, it, we're giving people education as well. Then for the complicated, slightly complicated looks, slightly, I will teach your client how to blow dry their hair and I'll physically give them the hair dryer so I can watch them do a bit of it. Then I'll take it and then I'll show them and I teach them as we're doing it. Because at the end of the day, okay, great haircut, but they've got to be able to look after it. And sometimes hairdressers can go a little bit fancy with a blow dryer and the clients just cannot handle it at home. And they end up not liking the haircut, not coming back. So obviously we don't want this to happen. So some clients do need a blow dry, of course, as in a bit of a wave in the hair, you want to straighten the kink out. So you'll do certain things. And I'll teach them how to do that. Not always with a round brush. I'll teach them clever ways of straightening their hair. That's quite quick. So that's, the, thing. <laughs> that, that's amazing. I, I, was, I was almost going to say, what the heck could you do with my hair? But I, I don't even <laughs> want to challenge you to answer that one. Well, I could, um, towards the end, I'll give you a consultation there. Fabulous. I? You're on. <laughs> okay. So I'm, I'm really fascinated uh, to take you back to that day where you kind of walked in and saw this 100 foot long space. Um that that ambiance that you spoke of, Stuart. Yes. How, how do you how do you create that? I mean, you're obviously a creative guy. You you either have dreams or you just see something, and clearly your experience tells you that people don't just pay for the haircut; they pay for your knowledge and your experience, mm. and and they kind of need to follow your advice. I understand all that. How do you go about creating that amazing ambiance mm. that brings people to your salon? I, I think it's about, okay, it's about the look of, number one, it's, it's many things, actually, many, many things. Firstly, it's about the look of the salon, what you've got in it, if it's how it's structured, because a lot of salons are very black, very white, very sort of bold colours. We, we went for more natural, more laid back, like you'd have at home, where we'd have... We've got this. Well, actually, we've just changed the floor recently. We had wood for ages, but we've got like a very sparkly black marbly kind of floor now. Um, we've, we've put crystals everywhere just to create just you know, lovely sculptures with lights behind each of them. That, and a lot of clients like comment on that, how much they like it. We have all our mirrors. They're not bought. They were made for by a glass merchant. Um, in fact, the glass merchant was told he couldn't make them for us because they had to bend the old funny shapes in this glass. But I was so I wanted a look and he made it for me. So we, so we got the look of the salon very good and I think it's the length of it that helps as well so that was a bit of luck because you know it's not a standard box square or whatever salon and then it's got two doors to the salon which I think is so laid back because in the summer we have both doors open there's no front there's no back entrance there's just two doors so we get a nice breeze in the salon I think the biggest thing of the ambiance is management and staff that's it because that's the main thing sorry that is the main part of, of creating the nice ambiance um, and having the same staff there all the time is a huge part to play. Clients just say, oh, God, we love the face. It was the same faces all the time. We love it. So that has created an ambiance in itself, having the same faces. Mm. People know they're being treated well if they're still there. And it just feels homely with the same faces all the time as well. And how do you treat them well? How do you retain staff? Because a lot mm. of a lot of people listen to this podcast run businesses, mm. a, a, a significant number, and a lot of them do really struggle to retain staff. Are there any kind of pearls of wisdom that help you to build a great team well, environment? Yeah, I mean, we're not very, we're not co- kind of corporate in that way. We're, we're more, I'm one-on-one. I think that's probably the good answer, one-on-one, because I treat everyone as individual rather than set rules. So ev- I treat everyone f- as their personality is, if that makes sense. And I get to know them all. I'm hands-on myself. I'm always... I'm always there. So it's not like I'm one of these bosses that just, you know, have these horrible management and is never there. So I'm a very approachable person. I'm always there. I'm always asking people if they're okay, what what they want from their future. You know, if they're happy in the salon, do they want to do photo shoots? Do they want to do this? Would they like to get involved with something else? Within hair industry, 
with my salon. So I'm always looking out for people and I think they know that. They know that I actually care for them. Um, and I think that's the main point. I actually do like people and I do get on with my staff. Hairdressing is a fickle industry. You know, they do jump around from salon to salon. People don't seem to be that settled generally. Um, and it is hard, but you do have to pay them really well as well. You just do. Yeah, but that's why I was bowled over. Don't mind me interrupting. And that's why I was so bowled over by this this statistic that you've kept people for so long. And by the way, shout out to all your team. Um, but, you know, you've retained them so long. It's clearly down to the way you manage people. Um, and I'm not sure that it is always about what you pay them because they've got to really enjoy what they do, haven't exactly. they? And clearly, you, Both, you, yeah. you put that at the, the forefront of what you do. So um, given your success, given all these amazing PR stunts you've come up with, which, again, am- amazing ideas, um, what kind of haircuts do you do, you do for want of a better expression? And, and what kind of clients are you attracting? The clients that we attract are... I think all over the world, really. I mean, we've had people, we've had these sisters coming from Manchester before for, like, for quite a few hours on the train. They used to really get excited to get their hair cut or they read about us. We have a lot of international clients. A lot of the Covent Garden Hotel staff are so nice to us. They always introduce us to people and then we get American clients that way. I think the, the PR speaks for itself in the sense that, you know, it's worldwide PR. So we, we do, we attract people from all, all corners of the earth. I've got a large... Indian clientele as well. I mean, I do tons of them. It's, it's in sense of hair extensions for them. And they come all the way here to have their hair extensions put in, which is quite amazing because the hair extensions are actually from Pakistan. So that it's easier for them to go there to get it done. But they come here. We, it's Indian temple hair that we use. It's a really high calibre of hair. Um, so, yeah, our clientele aren't very young, fun enough. They're, and it's not because of the prices, because we do start off reasonable at £40. So it's, it's, we do, ha- they are kind of older, our clientele, I think. With the youngest that we do, Probably in sort of 16, 17-year-olds is the youngest. And then, yeah, we do up to whatever age, which is Come. nice because clients like seeing all ages, I think, yeah. in the salon. Multidisciplined, multi-talented. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm absolutely, I'm really struggling to deal with this. I don't think we've <laughs> ever had, and an, I think this is probably, I don't know, we've had a few dozen guests already. And I don't think I've ever met anyone that says full on in such a nice way. I've got to say, <laughs> I've learned so much today. It's been amazing. And of course, I will have to come and get my hair cut and we'll see how that yeah. goes. Um, so final cu- couple of questions, because these are the important ones, as as much as all the things we've just discussed. Mm. But one thing that we always like to ask our guests, Stuart, and I'm going to ask you the same question, so no getting away from it, I'm afraid, <laughs> is that with all that amazing experience that you've now got and you've shared with us so kindly... Uh, knowing all the things that you know now, if you were giving a younger version of Stuart Phillips some advice, what advice, given all that you know and picked up, the mistakes you made along the way mm. and the stones you fought, tripped over, what bit of advice would you give yourself? You know, I've, I've yeah, no, I've tripped up many times, many mistakes. I think it's the best way to learn through mistakes, isn't it? Um, okay, people always seem to have dreams of some kind, which is great. And they lose that dis- that, that self-belief that that actually can be a, a reality because it's them they're talking about and they don't have that confidence because it's them. Anyone else it can happen to, but not them. Once you've got that idea, that belief, that feel, 
you, you, you've got to kind of stick to it and go with it, even if you get rejected. And believe me, I have in all sorts of shape, form and size been rejected. It doesn't matter because everyone's tastes are different. The whole world is different. I think you've just got to keep going for it and believe in it because the more you believe in it, funny enough, people start to believe what you believe in if you have that love for it. It becomes very addictive. Uh, not addictive, I don't know, electric, whatever you call it. Mm. So whatever, whatever idea you have in business, just in life, and someone tells you it's a silly idea, if you don't think it's silly, you you just go for it. You have to, because it will, won't be silly when it happens. You know, at the end at the end of the day, I've had many ideas that people have said don't do, and I've done. I've gone against the grain because I I believed in myself and I knew it could happen. And I know it sounds corny, but honestly, anything can happen. It can, and if you want it that bad, you could you can get it. I mean, you can. You know, I, I've, I'm proof of that. You I are think. indeed. You are <laughs> indeed. So, Stuart, I, before we go, I've got to ask you this question. I always have trouble with my hair mm. uh, and I don't know because of face shape and all those things that you said. So I'm now really paranoid. What would you do with this? Mm. OK, well, the face shape you've got, you've got an oval shaped face with a tiny bit oblong. So you've got length. You've got a slim face with a little bit of length to it. Personally, I think my hair's too short. It's lovely and clean cut. Clean cut look really works for you, but it's too clean cut. And I, th- I think you need to have it a tiny, tiny bit longer on the sides, only to be textured and chopped into. So you can wear it flatter like, like it is, it's just fine. Or you could sort of like just put your hands in it and mess it up a little bit. Because I personally think it's a little bit too clean cut. It's nice to be a bit more rugged and a little bit more choppy. And also the extra width will widen your face out a little bit, which rugged, is very important. Rugged, you're talking my language. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> well, it, well, it's just, it's, it, work, it will work with your face shape better I think as well okay. if you have a tiny I'm talking millimetres not mm. a lot but enough so you can chop into it and then put a little bit of wax in it rub it in the side so it lifts out just a tiny tiny bit to fill your face out right get your diary out I'm going to book <laughs> in for an appointment funny enough it's right here there are we'll do that in a minute so there are going to be loads of people um, searching on Google uh, clamouring for your telephone number or your <laughs> website address or your social media details so put everyone out their misery Stuart and just tell us how do we find out more about Stuart Phillips and all these amazing things you do well you can look at my website we have so much on the website at www.stuartphillips.co.uk and Stuart is S-T-U-A-R-T Phillips has two L's because I seem to, I keep it updated quite quite regularly so all, all our sort of things exciting things we've done we've put on it but I'm actually in the middle of writing a book I forgot to tell you that. Wow. Goodness <laughs> me. Just drum roll that. Um, okay, I'm 60,000 words in, so I'm really happy. It's taken me about 10 months to do, and I can only do it on the train now, because now I've learned my music on the train. I'm bored. What do you do? Write a book. So I'm writing the book, and it's about the challenges, not just music, but from the salon, all the early challenges of the salon, from the age of 14 to the salon until the music challenge. That's kind of what the, what the book's about. Um, and you've got a title yet? Um it could, it can keep changing, but um, the title at the moment is my ultimate challenge: learning thirty instruments, age fifty-one. That's the title at the moment. But That's it, what it says on the tin. <laughs> it does. And I tell you what, I tell you what, I promise you will do. Once you've got that title and it's been published, I will let everyone know how they can get hold of that book. That's, how about that? That's very nice of you. Thank you. And uh, and maybe you'll do us the kindness of uh, presenting a book to us that we can maybe auction off. Uh, because a lot of people email in and put their name down for all sorts of prizes mm. and gifts that our, our guests give away. So, um, but absolutely, we will give you the appropriate platform when the time Very comes. Kind. But Thank good you. luck for that. Thank I've, you. I've written a book and I know how 
how difficult it is Isn't it? to apply yourself <laughs> yeah. on, a, on a regular basis. So yeah, well done. And what about social media? Uh, do we can we follow you on Twitter or LinkedIn uh, or Facebook? Well, or? We, we, we've got a Stuart Phillips Facebook page. That's one thing we hadn't don't do a lot of at the moment is social media. It's strange because I was one of the biggest. I had one of the biggest viewers on YouTube in the world with hair. It was mad. I was so addicted to YouTube. We're still on YouTube now, and we've got quite a few million on there views on there about different. I do three minute haircuts, as in the before, middle, and end, so you get to see me at work on YouTube. So you could search Stuart for the okay. YouTube channel. We're also on Facebook. Um, we don't really do much Instagram and I get told off all the time about that. Um, that's another thing I have to start doing. So Stuart Phillips Facebook page, YouTube channel or the Stuart Phillips website. Wow. Brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. So I, I, I don't know even where to start in thanking you. Um, we were introduced by a mutual friend and uh, I found today, I've been searching for the adjective, fascinating doesn't really do it justice. And I think um, all those people out there listening will be feeling exactly the same way. I, I mean, I've learned a ton today. So thank you so much for joining Pleasure. us. Thank you. And if you as expected, me. we get inundated with the request to have you back, you will have to come back and tell us the rest of your story because I'm sure it goes on <laughs> beyond 14 <laughs> wardrobes of clothes. It's a never-ending never story, I think. Well, Stuart, Stuart Phillips, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Uh, wishing you all the best with your business and everything you aspire thank to you do in the future. Much. That was the Sandro Forte podcast and what a fantastic guest Stuart Phillips was. Thank you, Stuart. There are so many more fantastic guests joining me over the coming weeks, so please make sure you subscribe if you want to pick up some great tips on success. Remember, you can follow us on social media at Sandro's Podcast. That's Sandro's with an S. Don't forget, same on all channels. And we'd love to continue to hear your stories, ideas, anecdotes, challenges, or indeed whatever motivates you. So please keep those emails coming. Hello at sandrospodcast.com. And if you can, please do remember to leave those reviews on iTunes so we know what you'd like more of in the future. Thank you. Thank you.